As Michigan works swiftly to expand its healthcare workforce to combat the exponentially rising number of confirmed novel coronavirus cases in the state, Michigan State University is making available hundreds of healthcare students who successfully completed their program requirements to Michigan healthcare systems earlier than usual. Joining us to talk about this are three of our medical deans at Michigan State University. Coming back to MSU today, Andrea Amalfitano. He's the Dean of the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Andy, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And Aaron Souza is the Interim Dean of the College of Human Medicine. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Russ. And Randolph Rash, Randy, is the Dean of the College of Nursing. Randy, good to have you on the show. Great to be with you, Russ. And Andy, why don't we start with you? Talk a little bit about the students and what we're making available to Michigan's healthcare system. Well, um, we're doing a lot. Uh, what we typically do as a college is graduate about 300 physicians a year. And we're pretty proud of the fact that uh, 70% of them typically will end up practicing during their residency in the state of Michigan. And that usually translates into them staying to practice as well. And we've been doing this for many years. So this year, um, as usual, we have about 213 students that I've already uh, matched to a residency program in the state of Michigan. And typically what would happen is they graduate uh, around May 1. And uh, between then and July 1, uh, they would then uh, make plans to enter one of the hospital systems in the state around July 1st. This year, we managed uh, to talk with the licensing bodies, it's called LARA in the state of Michigan, and let them know that our students are available um, and that they should proceed with haste to process their licensing documents so that if the medical system they're going to go join needs additional help or support, they can potentially join the health system sooner rather than later. And so what we basically have done is validated that these students have met all the, the criteria, the, the four plus years of training and seeing patients, et cetera, um, and they're ready to go. And uh, if the hospital system has uh, need, um, also uh, typically uh, they have to have enough uh, uh, protective equipment, uh, personal protective equipment or PPE. Um, all these things come together and our students can go and begin their careers as a physician. It's certainly uh, during a very unique time, Russ. Indeed. And Aaron, from your perspective from the College of Human Medicine, what would you add? Well, you know, we were having a meeting with our fourth year class leadership and, and they essentially said, you know, we're going to start July 1, but most of us are already done with our training and our curriculum, and we're not getting any smarter sitting here doing nothing. Could we start early? And uh, we knew that um, places in Oregon and New York were working on that. And, and uh, Provost Sullivan and President Stanley and um, EVP Beauchamp were really supportive of getting with uh, Laura, as Dr. Amalfitano mentioned, and uh, the whole government relations team was really good about working with Laura to find a way to uh, help our students get started on educational licensure and certification early. Um, and from there, as Andy talked about, our students are able to be available to residencies and, and hospitals earlier than they would otherwise. And I, and I think it's important 
to say that um, the students have all finished all their training. They're, we didn't cut short their training or, or skip anything. They just happened to already be done. And so then certifying them to be ready to enter and, and, and join residencies, residents and residencies they were going to join anyway uh, July 1 was really just a matter of help, having the state come through on the paperwork and, and, and sort of greasing the skids to get that work done. And, and the state was really wonderful. They really very quickly figured out a, a way to make that happen for our students and for the people of the state. Excellent. And Randy from the College of Nursing, how, what are your nurses doing now? So I would say uh, I'd reference something that Andy mentioned before, Lara, which is the licensing board not only licenses physicians, but it licenses nurses. Um, in the College of Nursing and in nursing general, we're a little more complicated. So for this College of Nursing at Michigan State University, we will, uh, we will graduate probably this year close to 300 students, but we do them in waves. So we have a group that's graduating in May. We have about 90 students at that point. One of the things that the board of the Lara has allowed us to do similar to medicine is that we can certify that students have completed their requirements for licensure and the board will issue them a permit uh, a license permit that allows them to work as nurses until they sit for the examination and are officially licensed as registered nurses. So um, there's a way for them to work, start working early. We're connected with a number of, of uh, practice partners and healthcare systems who are already probably hiring our graduates. So our graduates, every time I go to commencement and I talk to them and say, do you have a job? They usually have one already, and they're 85% of our graduates stay in Michigan. So they're in the Lansing area, they're over in the Detroit area, Grand Rapids, and in the north. So they're all over the state. These are the students who are about to graduate, and as I said, we have about 90 completing in May, but we will have another group at the end of the summer and another group at the end of uh, December. We don't know how long this pandemic will, will affect us as acutely as it's uh, affecting us right now. We have another group of students who are students in the program um, who are studying, but because of the way they're educated, they can work in hospitals as uh, patient care technicians under the supervision of a registered nurse. So they already know how to give care in the hospitals and our, our partners in healthcare are very interested, especially right now, in hiring our graduate, hiring our students, because they know how to give care under the direction of a registered nurse. So we have that group, um, and so with with the the group that's graduating and the group that could be hired, we're probably over a hundred or so students immediately that would be able to work in some way. As I say. Uh, depending on, and I suspect that this will have some continuing impact even as, as the numbers drop of the infected. Um, but we have folks that will be graduating in um, August and, and in uh, December. We have another group of students who are advanced practice nurses, and those are clinical nurse specialists, nurse anesthetists, and nurse practitioners. The nurse practitioners. Um, 
and the clinical nurse specialist, especially, actually all of them, the board has just identified a way that they can go into practice earlier and has broadened the range of things that they can do in practice. So our nurse practitioners tend to be in primary care, but we have some, uh, the clinical nurse specialists and the nurse anesthetist who work inside the hospital systems inpatient providing care. We have probably a hundred of those students as well who are various stages. Those students though are also already registered nurses. So all of them are already on the front lines of providing care as registered nurses. Included in that group are registered nurses who have an associate degree, but they're with us at Michigan State University to get the Bachelor of Science in Nursing. So that latter group, that advanced practice group and the RN to BSN students are already registered nurses. So these are students at Michigan State University who are already licensed as registered nurses and are out there on the front lines providing care. So we have a group of students who are about to graduate. They will be able to start practicing early under the widened scope that uh, Lara has identified for graduates having a permit to practice. We have students in the college who can be hired while they're students to provide personal care to patients under the direction of registered nurses, usually in hospitals. And then we have the advanced practice group, which was the latter group that I spoke about, who are already nurses out on the front line. And Andy, what else would you like us to know as, as we move forward related to this crisis with your college? Well, a couple things. Um, one is that we traditionally, as an osteopathic uh, medical school in the tradition of the profession is to gravitate towards primary care. And so the majority of our graduates tend to move uh, on into programs like family practice, pediatrics, internal medicine. You can even roll psychiatry in there, emergency room medicine. These are going to be the folks that are on the front lines, if you will, taking care of individuals with, be it coronavirus or influenza or any of the other uh, health needs that they have, uh, that, that our citizens have, they'll be there. So that, that's a, a critical point. Uh, the other thing I'd like you to know, our listeners to know, is that uh, students, uh, we, we uh, took as a precautionary measure when the COVID-19 uh, crisis began, um, we had the students pull away from uh, their clerkship experiences uh, during the final stages of, of their training mostly to preserve uh, that PPE equipment that I was uh, alluding to earlier. So the hospitals could really focus in on the crisis at hand. Education would then come in when appropriate. And so the students, uh, as, as Dr. Sousa mentioned, you know, they're, this is a, a great bunch. I mean, uh, the student that we have, the students we have at Michigan State are truly second to none. It's, it's, it's such an honor to be able to lead a college, and I'm sure my, my colleagues will agree. They, they go out and they've sought out all kinds of venues to help, whether it be phone triage at our health clinic, um, directing uh, patients to potentially, if they do have symptoms consistent with uh, coronavirus, to the appropriate uh, venue. Uh, they're volunteering. Uh, we, we have a street medicine group in Lansing in Detroit where our students volunteer to take care of the homeless and indigent populations and are providing telehealth services during this time. 
Um, their needs don't stop during a pandemic, and, and the students address that. They've been collecting uh, uh, equipment, protective equipment and other needs, and delivering it to the hospitals at all of our three campuses, at East Lansing, at the Detroit Medical Center, at the Macomb University Center. And then we have faculty doing a number of interesting and, and impactful uh, uh, activities, such as develop, uh, Dr. Ed, Brett Etchebarn in our internal medicine department is developing a rapid test for identification of uh, a potentially uh, COVID positive patients, uh, technology that's really cutting edge. Uh, Nathan Tayaki, he's in our uh, uh, PhD, uh, pr uh, assistant professor in our uh, surgical specialties department, who's uh, 3D printing uh, protective uh, face mask gear and assembling it with colleagues from the arts department at the university, uh, the libraries, and, and other folks uh, putting these uh, pieces of equipment together and distributing it to who needs it in the, in the communities. Um, just, those are just a couple of, of the examples, and there's many more where that came from. What I can say is that folks are just, uh, this is their career, this is their passion, is to participate um, in times like this and in other uh, other venues as well. So um, really it's it's kind of uh, satisfying to see that with all the training that they've had, they're ready to go out in any number of variety of aspects um, and contribute. Excellent. And Aaron, same question, looking ahead, what about the College of Human Medicine and your students? Well, so, I mean, I think uh, the first thing is that I, I, I think that the health colleges have been working really well together um, to address um, the challenges of this. Most people don't know that Michigan State, including all three health colleges, is the largest single provider of, um, of physicians and nurse practitioners uh, in the region, which means that if you have COVID-19 and you go to our, the hospitals here, there's a pretty good chance that it's a Michigan State physician or nurse practitioner who would be taking care of you. So um, much of what our departments and faculty have been doing is trying to figure out um, how to make sure that we have enough people um, on the wards to take care of folks. So, you know, the emails I was getting last night from my colleagues in internal medicine were about the protocols that we use to take care of uh, patients with COVID-19. So, you know, I, I, I want to pay proper respect and appreciation to our folks who are taking care of patients uh, right now in the community with COVID-19 and encourage people if you're sick to go to the hospital. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that we need to remember is that if you are sick, although we want people to not go in if you're not sick, but if you're, you are sick, by all means, people need to go to the hospital. And then beyond that, there have been, you know, the university has developed uh, drive-through testing on campus for COVID-19, um, MSU extension and engineering and the vet school, the health colleges have come together to really impressive work around uh, PPE sterilization. Dr. Amalfitano was talking about how important preserving that personal protective equipment is to caring for patients and keeping healthcare workers safe. And the university has really done as a group cutting edge work uh, that I think others around the country will pick up. Um, and there are new tests for COVID-19 coming out of the vet school, the osteopathic school, CHM. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, MSU is one of the leads. Nigel Panath is on the uh, leadership of a national 
COVID-19 Convalescent Serum Project. This is a national effort to take um, serum from people who have recovered from COVID-19 and uh, use the antibodies in, in that serum to help protect uh, people who are sick. It turns out to be, if it works, one of the things that might help, help us really turn the corner in terms of opening the country back up. If we could keep people out of the ICU and keep them off of ventilators, uh, that would really change the, the dynamic of dealing with this pandemic. And it's great to have Nigel and, and the, you know, uh, on that leadership and have us be a part of this national effort um, along with folks like Johns Hopkins and Mayo and, and folks like that. So I, I think that the university is really showing what a land grant institution is all about, how we're a part of the scientific safety net for the country. Um, and hopefully some of the work, the tests, the effort, not only save lives in our community, but across the country. Randy, for you too, what's what's ahead? Well, I'd say for a couple of things. One is um, to go back, I think, to what you sort of opened this up with on the second part. Um, Andy mentioned the limitations on clinical experience because of the lack of uh, protective, personal protective equipment in, in the hospitals. Um, and so we've been doing something virtual with the students, <coughs> excuse me, to cover that. But we've also, I think all three colleges and our health team, all three colleges have identified equipment that we've had. So we've had uh, masks, gowns, we've even had respirators and um, other kinds of equipment that we've donated to our practice partners to help with that. And we actually have a student who has access to a, a, a manufacturer who's looking to bring in thousands of those directly to our partners. The other thing that I, <clears throat> excuse me, neglected to mention is that we also have a psych mental health nurse practitioner program. And one of the things that a huge impact of this pandemic is not only going to be the physical effects in terms of health, but psych mental health, not just only in those patients, but their families and the community community. This is a trauma in terms of our mental health as well. So we have faculty who practice that, but we're also educating advanced practice nurses, psych mental health nurse practitioners to do this. And our other nurses, um, our baccalaureate program folks are all prepared to do work with psych mental health issues with patients because it's part of what we do in general practice, both in the hospital and in the community. Um, I'd like to point out we have one of our, we have an associate dean for community engagement and public service, that's Dr. Denise Farrell, who is really heading up our ability to uh, volunteer both as faculty and as students. Andy mentioned the students that are volunteering, and, and we're so proud of them because it's across all three health colleges. And in that volunteering, they're able to work together in ways that we're going to be looking forward them to do in the future. Uh, the faculty can also are also volunteering, but so many of our faculty are also in practice. And so they're in practice both in health team at McLaren, at Sparrow, at different health um, uh, hospitals and, and um, agencies around the community. So they're giving in that way as well. But we're looking at not only the faculty practice, who also take students with them, but our faculty and students who can volunteer. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that 
we had not mentioned maybe is academic affairs. Dr. Terry Warewine is our interim associate dean for academic affairs. So she really looks at the educational program for students, but she and Dr. Farrell uh, working together, looking at ways that our students, while they're in their programs, can benefit the community through the abilities that they've learned as students in the program. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we have PhD faculty who do research in the community on health promotion and um, health maintenance. And I think one of the things we're going to be seeing then is what are the impacts of this virus now and in the immediate future and the long range future. So we know that there are certain communities, especially communities of color, that we're already involved with in terms of research, who are getting misinformation about this virus and who can get it and about um, uh, those folks who have it. And these are things that we're gonna be looking at in terms of the research and how it can have immediate impact to um, to stop or reverse some of those negative messages that are getting out that are not of not benefit to these vulnerable um, members of our community. So it's a wide ranging um, um, thing. And then I, I think the other thing that we're really looking at is this is the new normal in education. And it's something that we look at in nursing already, which is um, online blended education so that they move the emphasis from uh, to emphasizing what students are learning and how they can get that. And it may not have to be in classroom. And then the other thing is looking at the need for clinical experiences face-to-face -face with patients, but the preparation, more, more um, preparation in terms of simulation and getting people ready to experience uh, it when they go out into the into the community and the hospitals to provide care. So, you know, <clears throat> I think of a Chinese symbol that they say is crisis that is um, um, also defined as opportunity. Now, there's some drift there, but it does raise the issue that whenever there is a crisis or ever any any time that we come to a crossroads, there's an opportunity that we can do more in terms of education, more in practice, and more to link practice and education as a partner in getting our nursing folks out there, our students and, and our medical students and the graduates from all of our three programs beginning to learn how to work together while they're in school so they can take those habits out into the workforce when they join it. That's Andrea Amalfitano, Dean of the College of Osteopathic Medicine at Michigan State University. Aaron Souza, Interim Dean of the College of Human Medicine at Michigan State University. And Randolph Rash, Dean of the College of Nursing at Michigan State University. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.